Alan Nelson the fourth is the pastor of Perryville Second Baptist Church in Perryville, Arkansas, where he lives with his wife Stephanie and their five children. Alan is the author of From Death to Life, How Salvation Works, and Before the Throne, Reflections on God's Holiness. Both of those are on my bookshelf, by the way. Um, he's a prolific blogger, he's a podcaster, conference speaker, and one of my favorite people. He's a Cowboys fan, and he loves Christmas. Like, you count down Christmas on your Twitter feed. Welcome, Alan. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're on the Theo Bros podcast. You realize by being on this podcast you are you are making known to the world that you are a Theo Bro. Hey, I'm I'm man, I, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm just I, I, if you're a Theo Bro, that's what I want to be. Hey, basically all you're saying is that you believe Christ is king, that you are always reforming and that uh, theology really matters, that you have strong convictions about theology. That's really what a Theobro is. Amen. Uh, can I get the tattoo? You can, actually. Um, that <laughs> is allowed. Um, the last time I saw you was, la- I believe it was last summer in Denton, Texas, at the Wokeness and the Gospel Conference. And you almost tackled me kind of in the atrium area. You remember that? I remember that. Now, when you said last time you saw me, I thought you were fixing to say it was at ShepCon because I didn't think about that. But then you're right. I remember. I remember time because you were there with your wife, right? Yes. Yeah, you were there. You were you were um, representing Grace Bible Theological Seminary, I think. Yeah, Free Grace um, Press. But yeah, but we oh, were all together. We were all yes. together right there. Yes. And, and this was actually that conference was just before the Southern Baptist Convention in Nashville. And at the time, you were ready to take the ship. You remember that? Dude, at, it was at the conference that that New York Times article came out. I, uh, I, I t- texted that to you. You remember that? That's right. That's right. You were one of the first. I knew it was in the works, but I had no idea that my picture was going to be on the front of that. And so, like, <laughs> you text me. People started texting me, like, at the conference. And I was like, oh, wow, this is bigger than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so... They didn't. So when they did this article on you, they didn't actually like track you down and and take a picture of you in your office. They just found one online. No, no. They actually called me and they said, hey, we want to do some pictures. And I said, look, I don't really feel comfortable with that. Like I'm nobody. I'm I'm in Perryville, Arkansas. They're like, no. Basically, they talked me into like, no, no, no. We're going to send someone out. It's totally fine. It's low key. It's no big deal. And I was like, yeah right. okay so so i asked my wife she's like hey i'll help you so you know i was like okay i had no idea that they meant they were gonna slap that at the top of their new york times article it like it showed up on my twitter news feed and i saw your picture and it was i was shocked it was shocking do you feel like they had a bit of an agenda when they interviewed you and wrote that article I do, and I don't know. I can't now. I can't. You know, it's been a year. I, it wasn't like the, you know. I th- I put it this way. I think the New York Times was about as fair as they could be, but you understand that I'm saying their best is still slanted in a yes. liberal way. You know, yes. so it's a pretty low bar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, that was that was shocking. I believe they called you like an ex- like a conservative extremist or something like that i can't remember the article exactly 
Um, but there is there's this flag. There's this picture of you with a pirate flag that I yeah. found, um, and you're holding it in a church, and and because you were you're kind of you're you're taking the ship, right? That was the goal of of Nashville to take the ship. Is that correct? That's right. We that was actually my graduation. We did our graduation at on site at at our local church. Uh, GBTS came over. They're only about 30 minutes from us. So they we did our graduation. And a lady that works for G, GBTS, Regina Pryor, a great woman, she thought it, she's a, a older lady. She thought it'd be funny. She, she said, hey, we got you something. And I opened it up. <laughs> and it was this, she she had bought me this pirate flag. So there had been rumors, you know, that 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 we unfurled that during the church service. And before we took the <laughs> Lord's Supper, we, we opened the flag, you know, and and it was like, no, it was inside a church, but it was it was not during uh, the worship of our Lord. So it's not Christian nationalism because it wasn't an American flag. It was more like Christian piratism is kind of what they thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, piracy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Christian piracy. Well, I have a Twitter friend who tweeted at me a question about that picture. There are these legs, these mysterious legs on the other side of you. Is, yeah. It looks like a woman in a white dress. At least I pray it's a woman in a white dress. <laughs> and you can't see her head because – but she doesn't look like she's a short person. So was she was was she ducking or what was going on there? No, it was a short person. That was, oh. uh, that was my daughter, Piper. Uh, oh. So Piper is eight. So last year she'd have been seven. Okay. So that was your daughter. Well, he, he like circled that and then he asked – he's like – who is this? Who? What? What was happening there? So now that that mystery has been solved. It was Piper. So, so Alan, how long have you been a pastor in the SBC? Um, let's see. I surrendered uh, to the ministry in 2006, and and it was that year that I became a youth pastor. Um, and I uh, I officially became a, a senior pastor. On October 10th, 2010, I remember that just because it was 10, 10, 10. And so however long that's been, almost, uh, as far as being a senior pastor, almost uh, 12 years and then 16 years as, as far as being in the ministry, if you will, in the, uh, in the SBC. Okay, okay. Now, Quattro, you are a lion. You don't throw in the towel. You don't quit. I'm an outsider. Okay, I'm an I'm not in the SBC. I'm just an onlooker. I'm kind of like one of those gawkers who sees a car crash and and mm. slows way way down to kind of check it out. So admittedly, I have really nothing invested in the SBC. I have no reason to be loyal to it at all. My only loyalty within the SBC is is to brothers like you who I dearly love and I trust and I support, who I pray for. So I just, I hate watching SBC leaders demean and belittle you, belittle rural pastors. I hate the reality that your SBC president stole the work of others and preached that work as his own, and then has been invited to speak at seminaries. I hate that former SBC presidents claim that God whispers about homosexuality. I hate that critical race theory is viewed within the SBC as a useful tool to identify racism rather than God's word being sufficient to root out sin and ethnic favoritism. I hate seeing men give their pulpits to women. 
out of fear and cowardice, which we'll see. Well, it's prevalent not just in the SBC, but it'll be prevalent all over evangelicalism where women will take the pulpit this Sunday because it's Mother's Day. Not to mention all the other things that happened with Tom and Jennifer Buck over the last few months. Um, an SEBTS research professor allegedly leaking a rough draft of an abuse survivor without permission um, to blackmail an outspoken pastor into silence. So to me... I think, Alan, why stick around? You know, why continue to associate with a denomination that seems at least at the very top, leaders, presidents, professors, to have moved so far leftward? I'll fight yeah. for, my, for my church because I'm commanded to do so as a pastor. But my question is, why fight for something that seems to be just a total dumpster fire? Is the SBC worth the fight man i appreciate that you you hit everything um i'm not even sure what what i would add to that uh but for your listeners who don't know the picture that you painted honestly i think it's it's even worse than that <laughs> if you can imagine but but uh here's an analogy and it's not a great analogy and i know we could poke holes to it but here's one analogy to understand where i'm at and then we'll move we'll, i'll build off that but you know, suppose you um, suppose you talk to someone from from California, and you're just like they're real conservative, and they and they have the money, they can leave, and you're just like, what do you do? Like, why do you want to be in that state? And they're just so liberal, and just move, get out of that state, and be somewhere else. You know, and maybe one of their answers, at least, is, yeah, but this is my this is my home, and I. It's just hard, you know, and so that's one that's one analogy I want to build from. I'm not saying that's a reason, but I want to say understand my disposition first. I was saved when I was 10 years old at a Southern Baptist church camp. Um, I all I have ever known is the Southern Baptist Convention. Now I started out SBC because that's just what I was. I was it wasn't really my choice. I just that's the church I was in, got saved in, got baptized in, and so that's where I was. But as I got older, I said, no, no, this is what I am. I'm not just Southern Baptist uh, by chance. I'm actually convictionally, I believe in cooperation. I believe in our historic, you know, when I started coming across founders and realizing where we were as a, um, I became a Calvinist really in probably 2008. So when I, when I really began where, to understand our roots as a convention, I was like, this is me. This is who I am. I, I am Southern Baptist, you know. And so that's been part of the, the difficulty of just saying, hey, I'm walking away from this. It's all I've ever known. It's who I am. It's, I believe in, in, in all, all the things you could put on paper as far as coming together, um, our, our historic stance on, on scripture, on God's sovereignty and salvation, on, on the, the primacy of the gospel, on our ecclesiology, regenerate church member, like that's me, man. That's who I am. Um, the, the the Southern Baptist Convention in when it was founded in 1845, I believe every church, every church confessed the Philadelphia Confession, uh, which if you're if you or your listeners don't know, that's just the 1689 
and it had two it's just got two chapters added to it one on uh singing hymns actually and the other on about laying on the hands and baptism anyway the point is every church in the convention in 1845 either had that or a part of that as their confession of faith and um or, or their or their association did and so i'm like man that's me that is who i am now your question was also do i think it's why stay in that's part there, there is a sentimental connection that's hard for me to break but i also want to be a man of conviction and, and reality and so i look at our convention and i say i believe in this do i think it's salvageable well i think that i think at this point justin that the lord would have to do a mighty work and that's what i've been praying for this can't just be a political power move or something like that. We need God to move. I put it on Twitter one time, you know, I really covet. This is very, I know we're going to have fun on this podcast. We've already had fun, but if I can just give a sobering word, this is so, this is such a big deal. This is so serious. And I, I really do covet your prayers and those who are listening that even, you know, you would just, they'd hit pause even now and just say a quick prayer for our convention, because here's the reality. And Rod Martin makes this case, and I, I, I'm actually open to some pushback on this, but no matter what happens, the Southern Baptist Convention is going to stay in existence. Now, unless the Lord just decides to wipe it off the face of the earth, and he could do that. But if, barring that he doesn't do that, the SBC is going to continue. And what's happening right now is we cover 11% of churches in the United States are Southern Baptists, but we're training 33% of ministers. So our seminaries train one-third of all ministers. And if we walk away, just walk away, and I'm, and that may come a point. And if we walk away, though, what we're saying is, okay, we are absolutely going to leave all of this liberal slide unchecked, and we're going to let our seminaries just be overran um, by liberalism, which I don't think they're liberal now, but they are trending in that, and they're problematic. Um, so anyway, I've talked a lot. You <laughs> clarify anything in there that you want. To. The reason why I respect you so much is because I see your hope in the gospel and the way the gospel can change and miraculously change in open eyes. Um, and so for you to have hope that the Southern Baptist convention can be turned around, that the direction can change. That's a, a godly thing. And there's, you know, from my perspective, there is pessimism, you know, because I'm just, I haven't been in the SBC. I don't have anything invested. But, but what I do know is I've seen the gospel do incredible works in, in, you know, family relationships, in, in churches, uniting churches that were once divided. Do I think the gospel is capable of bringing the SBC back to where it needs to be so that it is a, a testimony to the world that it is functioning correctly, that it is standing on the authority of Scripture, I absolutely agree with you that the gospel can do that. And so, and I'm a, I'm one heart with you in in the that that state analogy that you know living in California. I live in Illinois, and so I live in the California of the Midwest. And so there are times where. I have friends and, and church members and, and, fa and family members who are saying, you know what, I'm out of here. Um, I'm ready to go. And I think deeply to myself, like, yes, I do want to leave. But if I leave, 
where does the gospel, what happens to gospel witness here? You know, there has to be missionaries. <laughs> and even in Illinois, there has to be people willing to stay to be a light. And so I I am completely one heart with you in that, Quattro, and, and just your, your love for the denomination and just your hope in the gospel. Now, some might say, and here's my question for you, just kind of a follow-up, maybe a little bit of a pushback. Some might say that you're kind of unequally yoked with false teachers and even enemies of the church within the SBC. What would you say to that? Yeah, you know, I would say that as we talk about uh, what the Southern Baptist Convention is, it, it, it is a convention of churches that are cooperating, that cooperate together. And the reality is we have to own our, we have to own Stephen Furtick. We have to own Rick Warren. That, I think there's some truth in that. Um, a couple of things I want to, I want to uh, say about that. One, we, I don't think we understand as churches, our cooperation um, there was a couple years ago, this was in 2020, there was a church in Florida, and they literally had one of their worship sets, they had Starship Troopers coming out on stage, and there was some sort of secular song, this was Sunday morning, and they were thrusting their hips in the air, and they're dancing and all that, and you actually have people in our convention, Justin, that would say, well, that's just every church kind of has to, you know, you can't, every church is autonomous, and you can't, uh, you, you just can't start structuring, you can't have a liturgy for every church or whatever. Look, if we can't sit down and agree, if we can't sit down and agree and say, hey, it's wrong to have Starship Troopers come out mm -hmm. on stage and thrust their hips during a, during a worship of the Lord, then that's a major problem. Mm -hmm. But that's a reality. We are, we are yoked ourselves with these people and here, but Here's one analogy I use, um, and that is when in, uh, let's see, 1 Kings 18, uh, Elijah meets with Obadiah. And Obadiah is in the court of King Ahab, and God has left Obadiah. Again, I'm not trying to say the SBC is Israel, but God has left Obadiah in the uh, in the presence of Ahab in the inner workings of Ahab to be a prophetic witness as it were and I, am I saying everybody's got to you got to have a point with your conscience where you say enough is enough but do I think that that we're necessarily in sin because we're we're staying in and we're being a prophetic witness to those that we would say are not walking in the fear of God Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to say that we're necessarily, I'm certainly not ready to say that we're in sin by staying in, but I understand the critique. Um, and I'm saying my response is I'm trying to be along with other brothers, that witness, you know, uh, uh, to, to, to a large number of people in our convention that you might say, it looks like there is no fear of God before their eyes. Romans mm -hmm. three, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and you are, you are being a witness. I know, I know that it is a, a challenge and it feels like you're working against the grain here. Um, but boy, we will pray for you, Quattro, in that. Um, and I don't, I think there's a, there's a distinction between a denomination and a local church. There's enough distinction that says you're not partnering with Stephen Furtick in, in reaching people. 
Um, I I just don't see that. Sure. You're not you're not you're not co-op you're not cooperating with him in such a way that you are planting a church together that you are that you're working in ministry together. You are far enough apart. You are you are as a church an individual church localized enough that that you know I just perhaps that relationship really isn't there to where you could say that you are yoked with him. Um, and sure, plus, me, no, go ahead. No, let me, let me, it's like, you're going to think, which side are you on here? But let me, let me push back on that for a second and just let you and, and your listeners kind of know. But First Baptist Church of Orlando a few months ago said, it was in 2022, I don't, maybe February, I don't know. They said, they had this spiel, I don't know if you saw it, but they said, hey, we let, and they specifically said transgender, LGBTQ, we let those people serve in our church. Mm. And so we say, well, what does that mean? You, they're not members. Well, no, they're not members, but we let them have leadership positions or whatever. Sir, they serve in our church. Well, listen, that's highly problematic. Okay, but you say, well, that's just First Baptist Church Orlando. Well, number one, that's a prominent that's a prominent church in our convention. But here's something else to know. In fact, I would say this, and I don't know the I don't know the conclusion on this, but I heard through the grapevine that Ligonier was actually ch thinking through like their relationship. Cause that's where they hold their Ligonier conferences. First Baptist Orlando. Mm. Um, so anyway, that aside, first Baptist church Orlando partners with the North American mission board to plant churches. Wow. I talked just recently with a trustee from the North. I won't say his position or who he was, but I, I talked to a trustee from the North American mission board. I had about a 90 minute conversation and I was on there with another brother, and we asked specifically, did you plant a church? Are you planting a church with First Baptist Church of Orlando? Answer, yes. Okay, so our money, our cooperative program money, is going to the North American Mission Board. The North American Mission Board is then representing the churches to partner with this church that says LGBTQ and transgender people can mm -hmm. serve in their church to plant churches. Man, it's a mess. And so I do, I do agree. I don't think I'm partnering with Stephen Furtick but then you have a situation like this and you're like man our money is the money that we give is being used in these ways that I think are bring a reproach upon the name of our Lord mm -hmm. yes. and it's very difficult it's very difficult to process all of this well my my next question for you did do all these SBC battles abroad as you think about you know a church in Orlando, a church in, you know, all these different throughout America, do these SBC battles distract local churches like yours from making disciples at home? Um, you know, here, here's what I think the main problem is. And I'm speaking at, from a, a pastor in rural Arkansas. Our town is about 1,500 people. Our church, Easter was a high Sunday, and we had like 73 people. Um, and so I'm speaking from a very rural context, but I would say the majority of rural church members don't even have any idea what's going on. And, no. and, and here, it's one of the frustrations too, even the pastors and, and, and they've been taught for decades to trust the leadership of the SBC. And so when you bring, I've, I've even had this in my own association of churches here, local in this County. Uh, I've even had pushback initially of people being like, well, you're just, uh, 
you're too caught up in this and and it, this isn't as bad as what you say well, well then i took people to um to nashville and encouraged people to go we ended up having one church left the S, left the sbc after they witnessed what happened in nashville mm. they said and, and and getting back to your question they said we don't got time for this this is a distraction and we can't focus on this we we've got bigger things to do and they left mm. and so i think I think it can become a distraction. I think, um, but I, I, it's like I told my church, I said, we've got two options. We, we leave, or if we stay in, we're, we're going to push back and we're going to fight. And our church, the way our church is structured and all that, most of the people, they're not ready to leave the Southern Baptist Convention. They, they're more and more understanding the things going on. This is where, by the way, where Take the Ship comes from. A few couple years ago one of the deacons we were talking and w- one of my friends in the church he said i think it's time to abandon ship and this deacon said or we could take the ship and so that's <laughs> that's what i got you know and so that's kind of been our mentality but i'm going to just tell you brother and i haven't really been overly public about this but i'm i'm, I'm really getting weary i'm mm. so encouraged by tom askell i watched the interview um, at First Baptist Church of Keller, Tom Askell is a man of of clarity and vision and integrity and and uh, uh, courage and conviction. Praise God for Tom. I consider him a faithful brother and a friend. But I'm just telling you, if it weren't for him right now, I don't know where I'd be at because I'm 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 pretty weary. I'm sorry, brother. And boy, we just have so much hope in the gospel and the transforming power. And again, like you said, we don't get political. Don't get political about it. Just trust, trust that the Lord will will do a work and he will move in hearts. Triage the SBC for me. What do you see are the biggest issues needing to be addressed within the SBC? Well, one, one I've said for years, I've probably said this for maybe close to 10 years, and that is we've got 5 million people that show up every Sunday. We've got 16 million people on our rolls. We have a lot of unregenerate people. I'm just going to lay it out there. I don't want to get rebuked like George Whitfield did. He said, all oh, these pastors are, you know, they're not converted. And Edwards had to, you know, settle him down. But I look around and I think we, I, I think we've got, I think we've got probably surprises how many pastors in our convention are unconverted, let alone how many members are unconverted. So we're, 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 I mean, you just look at the numbers. Two-thirds of us are basically disobeying week in and week out the Lord's command to gather regularly with the church. What does that say about us as a denom- as a convention of churches? Mm-hmm. So unre- being unregenerate uh, and then um, having a horrible ecclesiology, we're, we're baptizing younger and younger and younger. I'm not saying a four-year-old can't be saved by the grace of God. Uh, but I am saying, should should our numbers at convention watch would be baptizing four year olds? Mm. I'm I'm gonna just, I'm gonna say no. I mean, uh, that's not how are you gonna say this four year old is actually converted? You know, I mean, it's it's and, and but that's the number. All the other ages are are dropping. That it's preschool age a few years ago that was increasing. So all of that's in the background, coming up to the last three or four years. And now you introduce, um, now you introduce critical race theory. Now you introduce. Did you know, Justin, that we have a man preaching at our pastors' conference in Anaheim who says same-sex attraction is not a sin, 
and this man is going to be platformed at our pastor's conference. So now the, pa- now the pastor's conference, that sort of sets the stage for the, the convention, does it not? Exactly. That's right. It's unofficially, but exactly. That's exactly right. So you have, um, you have a man who, you have a man who is proclaiming to pastors that sexual orientation and attraction is, is absolutely fine as long as you do not act. Is that the thought? That's the, yes. I've asked him to clarify. Um, and, you know, but, you know, if you say that kind of stuff, you're just a rabble rouser, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> well, he said it publicly and I would just like to know, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so here's the thing. And I, and I think it would help. Actually, I, I want to appeal to, to your listeners and to, to anybody. Don't, in my opinion, to look at the SBC and say, you've got a bunch of liberals in the SBC, I don't think that's accurate terminology, and I don't think it's helpful for, for our cause. Hmm. I think instead what you have is you have a significant drip, because, because the other side wants to come back and say, we affirm the inerrancy of Scripture, and, and we affirm complementarianism, and we affirm, you know, and they want to say all these things, and you're like, okay, and so then it makes you look silly because you're like, well, they're not technically liberal. But what, what we're saying is they are trending in that direction, and I'm going to tell you, this stuff that came out with Tom and Jennifer Buck has revealed a deep rot. We may we may be conservative on paper, but we are immoral, mm-hmm. and 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 it's it's honestly maybe that's been the last push this last couple of months. But it's honestly it's breaking my heart. You, these things you think well that's not really happening, but you then you look at the evidence and you say, look what's going on, and people uh, supposedly behind closed doors. I, like I say, I talk to people and they say so-and-so he's conservative oh he's conservative and then and then you look at their actions and you say if that's what conservative is <laughs> that's not what i want to be we we desperately need repentance and we need to return to holiness and to walk in the fear of god brother we just <laughs> goodness gracious and, we just are yeah. are so far and to be willing to be criticized that the 11th commandment right don't Mm -hmm. criticize leaders is that kind of what the 11th commandment is am i right about that yeah i made a comment the other day about democrats and sbc leaders both don't want the common people to put information on that on on social media and you're like wait a second why is that well it's because it's because you're trying to expose these things and talk about these things I don't, I don't consider myself a discernment blogger. Now, some people probably do. Some people really don't like, I know it's hard for you, Matt and Justin. Some people really don't like me. Nothing, it's nothing to do about the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but I, honestly, and, and, and I understand you, you only get one kind of image on Twitter, man. I just, dude, I would love to just sit around a table with these guys and just talk and just say, can you just be honest? You know, James Merritt endorsing his son's preaching, who his son is an open homosexual. Open, yes, yes. And then you've got SBC leaders saying, oh, we love you, James Merritt. Great job. And you're like, wait a second. Can I Can I not ask some questions? Like, there's a problem with this. But but nobody wants to talk, and it's, and it's, it's frustrating. A leader wants to be criticized. A leader wants to grow in grace. A leader wants to 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 talk with men like you to sharpen themselves rather than hide behind, you know, 
social media or or whatever they do. Um, so how big of a deal is Anaheim? Uh, it, it's I mean it's it's a big deal. You know I mean it it's a big deal. I wish it wasn't in Anaheim. I'm not looking forward to go to California, but I, I think it's a pretty important convention. Do you have messengers heading to Anaheim? Yeah, I'm taking my family, um, and and that, and then we may we may be able to have another one or two. Um, you know, the problem is just so far out there, and I can't blame people for saying, "Oh, you don't want to drop everything and fly out to California." You know, um, yes. and and we're a small church, but there's churches in our association that are also sending messengers. So from Perry County, Conway County, Arkansas, we'll be will be represented by, you know, 25 people or so. Okay. Is is Tom Askell the right guy to be president of the SBC? Uh, unequivocally, yes. I mean, okay. absolutely. And, and you know, I, have have you spoken with Tom before or have you just have you No, I've I've listened to interviews and I've I've watched a lot of his stuff and read some of his things. Tom Askell is one of the and it, it's it's funny and frustrating when you see people blasting He's one of the humblest, kindest men that you could be around. The, the problem is that he is a strong man, and our culture right now hates strong men. And that creeps into the Southern Baptist Convention. I saw someone say, you know, the way that he talked the other day, they said that he was taking cheap shots from the pulpit. Uh, from the, you know, and I think, what would you people do when Jesus said, you whitewashed tombs? Right. Uh, you hypocrites, you yes. brood. Uh, well, that's John the Baptist said you brood of vipers, you know, mm -hmm. uh, our culture is not used to strong, godly, courageous men. And Tom Askell is one of those. And yeah, he's absolutely the right man for the job. I would have said, you know, if you'd have told me a couple years ago, I would have said, oh, man, probably he couldn't do it because. Um, because everybody piled on to him about that documentary in 2018. But you know what they've seen now? Oh, this man was right. Yep. <laughs> this man was ahead of the game. This man has been calling us to where we need to go for years. And so I see a lot of momentum behind him, and I'm very, very encouraged by that. And, yes, he's the man. He is the man, I, I feel like, uh, of the hour, if you will. Yeah, he was. I, I saw a brief video clip. Maybe it was you that shared it of him in the 90s talking about regenerate membership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, this man has been consistent in his message. Yes. And um, and, he, and he's never said something foolish like the Bible whispers about sexual sin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I praise the Lord for him. And, and so. Who are some of the faithful men that we should be praying for who are fighting alongside of you, Quattro? Boy, I, if I start listen, list, listing, uh, maybe I'll, I'll miss so many. There, but I'll say this. There's more than you think. Okay. And there's a, there's a lot of faithful brothers. There's a lot of faithful brothers. And not only that, there's a lot of faithful sisters um, who are in the SBC who are fighting this battle. If I could say this. Please especially remember Tom Askell and his family in, in uh, prayers because I just see his, again, his strong message and, and people hate that. I mean, I've seen people hate that and rail against it. 
And so I, I just pray that he would continue to be faithful, to not be discouraged and to not be uh, not to be attacked, you know. Um, and then, you know, there's there's a uh, you remember Elijah. We, we talked about him earlier and Elijah kind of whines to the Lord a little bit. <laughs> God says to Elijah, I'm paraphrasing. This is a Quattro Nelson version. Listen, bud, I've got seven thousand <laughs> prophets that have not the need to bail well i don't know the number brother but there is actually a a a bigger number than you think of of pastors in the sbc they have not bowed the need to bail and um so pray pray that they would show up and make their voices heard pray that we'd have discernment about what to do depending on how anaheim goes i certainly will brother um the world is watching my friend. Okay, final prediction. What happens in Anaheim? I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm an eternal optimist. I know right? you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to say that uh, I, I'm going to pray that Tom Askell wins, and I'm going to go with that expectation. Um, okay. And um, and it's, it would have to be a movement of the Lord, but I'm just – <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm going that's what I'm praying well there'll be a lot of demons exercised and they don't come out quiet um, but but God is faithful to to reveal hearts and I pray that as if if Askel takes the presidency that that all of the all of those who have abandoned the authority of scripture a biblical ecclesiology will just show themselves uh, so clearly and um, that they will be dealt with in a biblical manner. And I want to play a little game with you. Um, this is a little bit of a name association game. I'll say a name or an SBC entity, and then you say a word that best describes them. Okay, so I'm going to call this game. This game is the Super Dangerous Name Association game. Okay. You're going to get me in trouble. You're going to okay. get me in trouble. <laughs> All right. Let's go. So I'm going to say name, you, you say a word. Okay, we'll start with this. Bart Barber. Uh, I, can I use two words? I have to yes, use two words. Yes, go ahead. Okay, company man. Company man. Okay, I wrote down glasses because I literally know nothing about the guy. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think Bart, hey, look, I think the Bart... Is a, is a, is, here's here's what my wife basically said and a lot of others said he's a safe choice for a lot of people because that's that's he's a company man I think he's a genuine believer and he's probably a good pastor from the things I've heard and a good preacher but he's just in my opinion he's so blinded by the SBC logo if you will that he, that he, he basically wants to say hey everything's fine we just need to be kinder to one another and I'm like yeah. look dude you can't you can't look at the situation objectively and come away with that okay <laughs> so unless you have other motivations um but yeah. yes okay uh how about this aaron Rodgers. <laughs> uh overrated how about that Boom. yes how about loser <laughs> yeah. weak um i just can't stand the guy okay um we can agree on that. I'm a Bears fan. You're a Cowboys fan. We have a mutual dislike for Aaron Rodgers. That's right. Ed Litton. 
Ed Litton, Ed Litton needs help. I think that he's a serial liar, and I think that I think that people don't. They're not. They've not, they've not taken this whole case seriously. They've dismissed it, and he's had people that should know him and love him enough to tell him, "Hey, man." And I think it's probably you know because let me clarify for you. You know, he's he's going to preside. You understand? He will preside over us in Anaheim. People misunderstand. They think that he stepped down or resigned. No, he hasn't. All he said is he's not going to run again. So he will moderate the 2022 meeting at Anaheim. And I think it's just a slap in the face to faithful pastors. I think what he did was worthy enough to, re- to he needed to repent of, own it, and step away at the very least from his position of SBC president. Probably needed some time away from his own pulpit, but. You know, he, he, he's very, um, very sad case there. I, I just wish he would have repented in the very beginning. <laughs> How much easier would all this have been if he would have just said, you're right, I I messed up. I wrote down plagiarist, and I'm I'm sorry to write that, but that's that's a reality for him. Okay, uh, just a couple more. Um, Vadi Bakum. <laughs> Uh, warrior, maybe. <laughs> warrior, yes. Um, Vody is a faithful brother, and 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 you know, pr- I haven't mentioned praying for him, but yeah, he's going to be up for SBC Pastors Conference president, and that dude, not just a physical warrior. I mean, like you would not want to physically fight the man. No. Um, but he's he's just uh, he's just for years shown his faithfulness. And his, in his, in his, you know, not willing, he will not back down and he's going to stand on the word of God and praise God for men, you know, like voting. Yes. Okay. Last one, Beth Moore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Go home. Yeah. Yeah. How about this? How about I say this one in all seriousness, all sobering, unregenerate. She, she, she needs to be born again. Um, she has got into this, or maybe I could use false teacher. She, uh, and, and I, I just amazed that so many continue to defend her. And it's very, she's a heartbreaking case too. That's the thing about all this, man. You know, we joke and we laugh and, and there's time, certainly time for that. But then you look at, you step back and you think, man, these people, these people don't have people around them that love them enough I'll give you a quick example, Justin. I had a pastor call me this week, and he and he he reprimanded me. He he rebuked me. He said that I was um, being a little too contentious on social media, and I at first I was kind of you know like I was contentious about it, and then I was like, you know what, you're right. There's some there's some contentiousness that wells up in my heart when I see the way some of these people respond and see these things. And I had to own that and I had to repent. I had to talk to my wife about it just this week. And I said, you know what? I think, I think that's right. And I had to own that. And, uh, and so here's the deal. These people, Beth Moore, Ed Litton, some of these people don't have, I guess they don't have anyone that around them that loves them enough to say, you are wrong and you need to repent and then they just keep going on or or other that or maybe they're just maybe they've had that and they've just rejected that and they're just plowing ahead yeah
and it's it's really sad, man. It's it's terribly sad. <clears throat> and every time they open their Bibles, it's not doing work on their hearts. It's not cutting them. Um, and you know that that may be an indication um, of their being unregenerate. Well, Alan, um, I appreciate having you on. I don't want to take too much more time, um, but it, it's been great hearing your voice. It's been awesome hearing your heart, your hope um, in the gospel that, that God can truly oh <laughs> can do something majestic. Did you hear that? Yeah, I do. That was the sweetest. Actually, made my heart melt. Um, thanks for That's joining me, Alan, on the Theo Bros podcast. Hey, listen, man. Thank you. I want to thank you, listeners. And I want to say, I just want to end with these three words, brother. Christ is King. Amen. Christ is King. <laughs>